You're listening to Multiversal You Podcast. I'm Andrea. Today's episode is all about finding the perfect balance for your soul. Join me as I break down the mind, body, and spirit to give a clearer understanding of how they function together to display the natural beauty of your soul. Coming up next. much for tuning into my show. I hope this message finds you all in good spirit. As always, it's an honor and privilege to be here with you. Today, I want to discuss the importance of balance. This realm is not about striving for perfection. It's about finding the perfect blend of physical and spiritual attributes that showcase the natural beauty of your soul. You are an orchestration of light and darkness, power and weakness, joy and sorrow. If life was a show, the world would be the theater and you would be center stage. We, the audience, are here to bear witness to your interpretation of love. After all, that is what you're made from. You aren't here to fit in with the crowd, but to display a side of God that no one would otherwise see or experience. And this is the place I have struggled with since I've stepped into this role. I have been quietly learning for 17 years, testing every truth given to me, practicing my teachings with people in my inner circle. But there's always been two sides of me, the earthly part that gets predominantly seen while the spiritual was something I kept hidden away, not out of shame, but as a form of protection. It's been in a gestation period for all these years. Now that I've given birth to it, I've had to learn how to blend the two personalities without one overpowering the other, which hasn't been easy. Learning how to live my truth in a way that attracts people is tricky, I have been conditioned to become whatever a person needs during our interaction, whether short or long, to spark the light within them. Most of the time, I'm just a listening ear. To others, I'm a friendly face with compliments that make them feel noticed. Throughout my journey, I've learned to avoid spiritual trigger words that alienate people. Because here's the thing. Spirituality isn't about winning anyone over. That assumes people are lost or falling away from the source of all creation, which isn't so. The truth is, many are hurting, exhausted, deflated. They're in desperate need of healing and are ready to be shown a better course of life. If a person's identity exists only in spirituality, they become unreachable. It gives the false impression that they exist on a higher level than everyone else does. Hierarchy, as we know it, has no place in unconditional love. 
In fact, the more enlightened you are, the more willing you are to serve. Extremism of any kind automatically places limitations on your ability to expand, internally and externally. The whole reason you're here in the physical realm is to learn how to let each part of you, mind, body, and soul, have its fair share in helping you reach this life's goal. The mind and body work in tandem while the spirit is a lamp that guides the two safely down their path. The mind provides knowledgeable insight on how to navigate your environment and makes decisions that keep you out of harm's way. The body is the muscle behind the brain, whose primary job is to carry out the thoughts and plans of the mind and soul. You can consider your spirit to be the eyes in the sky, the part of you that sees the entire picture. There isn't one that is more important than the other because together they form a triangular flow of energy. And when they're in sync and operating at full capacity, that's when you've found your perfect state of being. Of course, getting them to cooperate with one another is no easy feat, which is why we're all here. At the heart of every spiritual journey is a hungry soul searching for fulfillment, their own personal nirvana, if you will. Spirit gently steers us down the path of enlightenment by prompting us to question this reality. Deep down inside, you know there's more than meets the eye. So let's start by breaking down the role of spirit. The chief characteristic of your higher self is that it's soft-spoken. It's often referred to as a still, small voice. There are a couple of reasons for this. One is that it's trying to get us to look inward. It wants us to learn how to shut out all the noise of the outside world so we can receive information and guidance from the spiritual realm. And two, spirit can be a little hard to hear if you haven't learned how to tune into its frequency. Simple daily prayer and meditation practices can help you develop this skill. It's just like a muscle. The more you train it, the stronger it gets. Now here's where people veer off into extremism. They lose sight of their northern star or the why behind the star of their journey. I ask you now, why did you begin the search in the first place? Go back to who you were before you awakened. What was your emotional or physical response when someone mentioned God or quoted scripture at you? Did you receive it with open arms or did you immediately put up a wall and roll your eyes in irritation? I'll be the first to admit I was the latter before my transformation. I scoffed for two reasons. If God was so loving, then why did he allow me to suffer horrible abuse? The second most common reason was their words lacked the spiritual power that only comes from experience. In essence, they weren't handing out seeds of truth that produced change. Instead, they left my presence with the pride of thinking they had saved yet another lost soul. Had they really known what they were talking about, they would have been quick to listen to what my heart was saying 
engaged whether they had a remedy to give me. On the surface, I was an angry alcoholic that was self-destructive. If their spiritual eyes were sound, they would have seen the root cause of my behavior. I was broken and metaphorically bleeding out. Their empty words equated to nothing more than a placebo, not just for me, but for them as well. Both of us parted ways in the same state as when we met. So the question I ask you is, why waste energy doing something if nothing changes? I started this quest because I wanted to find wholeness for myself, a place where I wasn't needing or lacking anything. Teaching others how to do the same is a side effect of that goal. I didn't set out to do this, nor was it a motivating factor, which makes me an ideal candidate for this type of work. You cannot do this walk for the world. People are fickle. They will love you one day and hate you the next. Instead, anchor yourself in God and you'll remain as steadfast as he is. He's the only reason I keep pressing forward. The more truth I receive, the more my spirit grows. But I know I haven't even scratched the surface of spirituality, and so I persist. The moment we stop climbing is the moment we need to ask ourselves, what or where is my northern star? A telltale sign that you veered from your why is when you turn your attention towards fixing others. What truth are you trying to avoid within yourself? If you're not willing to illuminate your own darkness, what makes you think you can liberate others from theirs? How far can the blind leading the blind possibly get? It may sound counterproductive, but... If you focus all of your attention on your inner being, you'll start to see yourself in others. Then the willingness to work just as hard for a stranger as you would for yourself would be supreme. The hunger dissipates when we think we've arrived at our destination and no further action is needed. Don't sit in stagnation and allow the flame to burn out. As I stated earlier, Spirit is the lamp to your feet. The more oil you feed it, the brighter it will become. Which brings me to the next piece of the triangle, the body. For many years, I treated my physical self as the uh, ugly duckling of the three. I didn't view it as a partner, but more as an enemy that I had to subdue. Those of you who follow the podcast know I was an extremist with diet and exercise. Although there were underlying reasons that I eventually healed, I still wasn't fully aware of how precious the body was. This earthly vessel has agreed to house my spirit and carry out its purpose in life. Without it, I wouldn't be here. It is a living entity with its very own consciousness which means it can speak. I know the idea that the body can talk may sound silly, but it, it constantly diverts our attention to a need when we feel hunger, pain, sleepy, and so on. It delivers messages through our senses because it's the only way we'll receive them. 
However, there is another approach. A lot of people communicate with spirit or God by prayer or meditation, but very few take the time to converse with their bodies. Remember, they are an equal partner and are doing their best to carry out your mission. Is it important to check in with them on a daily basis to see if their needs are being met? I think so. I first started communicating with my body while I was meditating, but now I give it permission to tell me what it requires throughout the day. For instance, sometimes I'll be driving along and a thought will pop into my head, I need water and iron. It's a work in progress, but the important thing is that I'm learning how to be just as faithful to it as it has been to me. As I stated earlier, I used to do extreme workouts, almost as if I were punishing it for not being good enough. It's like I was screaming at it, you're falling short of the world standards. When exercise wasn't sufficient, I cut more calories from my diet. For years, my poor body was put through the ringer day in and day out. It was probably hoping I would deal with a real problem instead of dumping all of my insecurities and rage onto it. If I had looked inward, I would have realized the reason I was mishandling my body was because I was still stuck in a cycle of physical abuse. It was done to me by an ex-boyfriend who said I wasn't good enough, and so I continued that narrative. It was difficult for me to spot because it disguised itself as healthy. Extreme, but healthy. I was eating 800 calories on days that I ran 10 plus miles, which I did 5 to 6 days a week, and 500 calories on my off days. That is ludicrous. It's insane as I say that. And once I broke free from that wheel of torture, I was able to see myself for who I really was and I apologized to her. My body, that is. I actually cried because it's almost as if I could hear her pain and exhaustion. I had been a terrible partner, but as I've said before, the only apology she deserved was changed behavior. I still run and work out, but nowhere near the amount I was doing before. I pay attention to how she feels and I respond accordingly. I choose nutritious foods and limit my sugar intake. My aim isn't to force her into an impossible standard anymore. It's to get her in the best shape she can be so that she's able to accomplish the goals my spirit has set in motion. See, the body has a simple job and doesn't require much work to complete its tasks, but its success depends on the mental health of its owner. Which brings me to the final piece of the triangle, the mind. You can think of the brain as a central processor, like in a computer. It stores, interprets, and executes decisions based off sensory input from the body. Whatever you see, taste, smell, hear, and touch sends data to the mind and is immediately cataloged for future reference. When it encounters a familiar sense, it sends out a signal for the body to respond, like how your jaw tenses up when you see a lemon. 
This ability is a double-edged sword because it keeps us safe from our environment, but it also holds us captive to a mundane life out of fear of the unknown. You know it all too well. The moment you step in faith, a million reasons to stay put come flooding in. The what-if thoughts. The only remedy is to get comfortable with change. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Condition yourself to jump as soon as your body wavers. Start with something small and work your way up if faith isn't in your wheelhouse. The mind can be reprogrammed, but it needs references to draw from. It recognizes patterns of success and failures. One way to force it to focus on the positives is to shift your perspective. You know, the glass is half full type of thinking. If you view everything as a win, the brain won't be as hesitant to let the body play in this little game we call life. Let the mind do what it does best. Keep you safe and recall pertinent information. Anything outside of that should be viewed as advice to be taken with a grain of salt. So as you continue to expand, let the mind, body, and soul have an equal place in your life. Resist the urge to let one overpower another. The triangular flow of energy manifests itself like this. The spirit, when it's sound, uploads the mind with positive thoughts and innovative ways to solve problems. The mind downloads the system upgrade from spirit and analyzes, interprets, and reprograms the body to respond to its environment from an elevated state. When the mind is healthy, the body will follow suit. This continuous cycle of energy enables us to showcase our interpretation of love by spotlighting the beautiful blend of polarization. You are an intricate work of art with contrasts that make each piece unique. Don't try to cover up the darkness. Instead, learn to embrace the shadows. Without them, you wouldn't be able to appreciate the details of the light. That's all I have for you today. If you like this message, please don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. I cannot express how grateful I am for all the listeners of Multiversal You. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Until next time, love, peace, and light to you all.